0: There we go. Good morning, again. <laughs> but yeah, being a part of Hope and Anchor is a, is a particular expression of what God is doing globally uh, in the world. And I'm thankful that what we're doing here matters. It matters in our neighborhood, it matters in our families and in our friendships, but it also matters uh, in our world. It's, it's actually contributing to that reveal representing and revealing work that the church is sent out to do so today we've called it kind of hope and acre 101 and my message today is called uh the better thing the better thing i believe that following jesus is the best way to live that is all let's pray (laughs) i'll stop there following jesus is the best way to live I believe following after Jesus Christ is the most fulfilling path to discovering our purpose. I believe in Christ we realize life's true meaning. I believe in following Jesus and being reconciled to God, we become more and more fully human. And what do I mean by that? God created human He created mankind, male and female, and He gave us this intense blessing to bear His image in the world, that we go out into creation to uh, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth, bring order to it, govern it well, and in doing so, make visible something of God's invisible reality, His goodness. His mercy, His provision, His abundance in the world. We become more and more fully human as we are more and more reconciled to God through faith in Jesus. Have you ever made that connection? That we actually become more, of that, we're more like that good design that God created in the very beginning. I like that. But here's the thing. We live in a world that is filled with competing visions and competing values. I hope that's not a surprise to anybody, but we live in a world that's pretty distracting. It's filled with competing visions and competing values with many voices clamoring daily for our attention, for our allegiance, and for our obedience. So much of our time is spent then managing these demands, sorting through all the distractions. From inside and outside ourselves, we are pulled in a hundred directions. Have you ever felt that? Some days it's not so bad, but some days, man, it's really severe. We're pulled in a hundred different directions. Seriously, think about it. Have you ever spent an entire day, a day given to you as a gift from God, you spent that entire day uh, just spinning your wheels? You spent an entire day where at the end of it you felt like, I have made absolutely no progress. I've done nothing I can point to and say, I did that today. I did that today. I know moms of young kids. You feel this way a lot. I mean, it's like, where did my day go? It just went into this big black hole called baby. Um, Some days you feel like you might have simply just been rearranging furniture on a sinking ship. I mean, that's how pointless it feels some days because you're just so dissipated and distracted and pulled in so many directions. It's not a good feeling. Why? Because it saps our strength. It's inherently frustrating to feel like the time we're giving is being wasted, that there's no point to all the activity. We believe that there is a purpose to our lives. There's a reason to our lives. And when we're not stepping into that, when we're not living into that, it's frustrating. We feel there must be a better way to spend our time. There must be a way to order our energy and our efforts toward things that really matter. We at a at a very basic level, we need to be orienting our life toward meaningful outcomes. Do you agree? I mean, at the end of it all, we want to say, I spent my life well. And what does spending your life well mean? It means living toward meaningful outcomes. We crave meaning. And I'm afraid our world is more and more devoid, more more, more, more absent, more vacant of meaning. We don't have much meaning in our world anymore. And this we find in Christ. And it satisfies something inside of us. We need meaningful outcomes. There's got to be a way that gives life instead of crowding it out. There's got to be a way to spend your day, spend your time, that actually gives life, that, that steps into that promise of Christ that you could have life and have it to the full, have it abundantly, instead of living in such a way that all the stuff that matters is getting crowded out. Here's the thing. Feeling like we're wasting our time, it produces anxiety, but even worse than that, I think it eats at our souls. It, like, it, it takes something from us. Wasting our time, it just like causes this atrophy in our souls. Feeling ineffective, and, or, or feeling dissipated in our efforts, it undermines our sense of competency, it drains away our enthusiasm, and it clouds our focus. We are purposeful creatures. You know, why, is, why do we feel this way? Why is this so toxic to us? Because we are meaningful, purposeful creatures. We are innately oriented around meaning. We are motivated by a God-given sense of oughtness and significance. This is why you don't have to make a conscious decision to care about stuff or to care about people. There's this natural orientation inside of us to care. To orient our our lives, our time, and our energy towards stuff that matters, that has significance. As individuals and as a church family, we are centered in God's big idea for mankind and for the world. This is what the gospel does. It centers us. It orients us in God's big idea. We truly believe this. We, We truly believe that God, through Jesus Christ, in the gospel, creates and recreates. God, through Jesus Christ, He he creates and recreates. He forms and He transforms. This is what Jesus does in us, in the world, today. The redeemed vision that God's Holy Spirit births in the hearts of believers, it lays before them a vision that is vast. That is vast. It's filled with challenges and opportunities. And I, I know some of us were maybe raised in churches that just talked about the gospel as if it's about believing in Jesus so you can be saved and go to heaven. I mean, sadly, I've been in churches that really shrunk it down, really whittled the big idea of God down to this, like, transactional, believe this so you can go to heaven when you die. But man, read the Bible. What Jesus is inviting us into is vast. It's expansive. It's bigger than us. And it's bigger than me going to heaven when I die. We're being invited to participate in God's grand work of redemption and transformation. God's vision, the one planted in us through the Holy Spirit, is vast and filled with challenges and opportunities. So, motivated by this this renewed sense of identity and of mission, we are launched out into the world Becoming little Christ, which is one of the the meanings of Christian. We are sent out into the world as little Christ incarnating or infleshing the good news. Becoming living examples of the good news of Jesus Christ. That we become a testimony in our lives. Our day-to-day interactions become a witness to Jesus. Now, this can bring with it, though, some pitfalls. Have you ever heard that the good can be the enemy of the best? Have you ever heard a statement like that, that the good is the enemy of the best? Did you know that good things can actually keep you from those best things? Has it ever happened to you? What I mean is this, because there's so much to be done in our world, there are so many wrongs to right, there are so many opportunities to serve and to bless, we can end up really busy. We can end up filling our time with projects, with tasks, and with ministries that ironically, in the end, keep us from enjoying God's best. What? Is that possible? I believe so. We can actually become so busy in doing good things that we miss out on the best things being offered to us in Christ. Maybe you've seen this happen. Maybe the church has been the context for this imbalance, this missing out. You've become so busy serving in the church, showing up at everything it offers, that somehow your actual life with God has gotten lost in the mix. Have you ever been in this place? It's kind of a rotten discovery, like, oh no, I've been doing so much, yet I've been missing out. We get so absorbed, so busy in the church that, we, that our actual life with God, our walk with Christ gets lost in the mix. It's become all about doing instead of being. Doing instead of being. And we could talk for a long time about why we're inclined to do more than we are to be in the life of faith, but that's another Sunday. Sunday. Maybe you found yourself, though, running yourself so ragged being a good Christian that you can't remember the last time you actually stopped. You actually rested and you actually simply sat at Jesus' feet. Have you ever felt that dissonance, that that disconnect in your life? It's like, I love Jesus and I'm doing so much for Him, but I'm exhausted. Exhausted. And one day I had to just come to the realization that God's not honored by my exhaustion. Exhaustion my exhaustion is a sign of imbalance of overextension of going beyond that place where God has called me to be being in vocational ministry I can speak from this angle as a pastor as someone in vocational ministry I think this is a dangerous place being in vocational ministry is pretty dangerous in this respect the time demands all the expectations real or just felt The expectations to look busy, the expectations to produce the next greatest ministry program, to write the next greatest sermon in the world. All these things, these demands, these expectations can rise up and steal my focus, it can steal my joy, it can steal your focus, and it can steal your joy. It's dangerous. I think pastors and leaders in the church are especially at risk at missing out on what Jesus is truly offering His disciples. What Jesus is truly offering his followers, which is an invitation to sit with him and in doing so, find the better thing. To find the better thing. Now, as you recall, we've had a little bit of a global pandemic on lately. Things got pretty weird over the past year uh, as the entire planet pretty much shut down. I've never lived through an entire global shutdown before, but now... I did in 2020. So did you. It was kind of strange. Everything and everyone was impacted by disruptions and difficulties that suddenly came into our lives because of the shutdown. In Hope and Anchor, our local church here was no exception. The shutdown was hard for us and we struggled. Everyone struggled. But now, thankfully, (laughs) things are opening back up and things are getting back to normal kind of however as things open up and get back to normal we have to stop and think do we want things to go back exactly to how they were think about this in your life and in your family or in your work or in our church do we want things to go back just as they were before or do we have an opportunity to reimagine to retool to reconfigure some things as we relaunch, as we restart, as we open back up. You see, I don't wanna go back to doing business as usual. I wanna seize this moment, seize this opportunity. I don't wanna go back to chasing our tails, missing the point. I don't wanna go back to being busy and rearranging furniture and in the, in the end just wearing myself out. Do you? No. The sense I've had since the new year Is that we are being given a fresh start a fresh start how good does that sound that we are being given a fresh start a new beginning we have a chance to begin again to in a sense be resurrected with Christ and to be re-centered in the vision that he that Jesus and that the uh, uh, this vision of Jesus and of the gospel uh, we are given this opportunity to step once again into this vision of what it means to be the church and more specifically what it means to be a shaping and sending church a church that is shaping people in worship and sending them on mission we get a chance to remember that to reimagine that and to step into it and live it out that's exciting to me as such i've spent a lot of time thinking i've spent a lot of time praying about our priorities as a leader in this church, I feel like this is one of my biggest responsibilities is to imagine, to remember, and to, to focus in on what it is we need to be doing, thinking about our priorities, where our church family's focus should be as we engage our future together. And the answer I found is that it's not about doing more things. I don't know how this is going to land with you, but I don't feel like the way forward is in doing more things. I don't feel the, the, the future is calling us to do more things with, with, with bigger programs and faster ministry opportunities. The answer for us is to get back to the basics. To get back to the basics, to sit at Jesus' feet. In everything, at all times, every opportunity we're given, we're sitting at Jesus' feet first and foremost. We're focusing all of our energy, all of our best time and energy on growing as disciples, as intentionally choosing the better thing in all we do. You know, it's true. Endless opportunities for ministry exist. We could imagine and dream up An endless list of ministries we could do inside our church we could do in our neighborhood we can do around the world the list is truly endless the ways that we are being sent out as a missionary people they abound and true they are exciting and we're not saying no to all those things but here's the thing unless we are first being shaped in discipleship we are inevitably ill-equipped to faithfully and effectively be sent out to reveal and represent the kingdom. It starts with discipleship, with sitting at Jesus' feet, and then we go out into the world. This being the case, our priority going forward is to to create the best discipleship environments we can here at Hope and Anchor. In order to facilitate our basic calling, our first calling, we want to make our discipleship environments actual. (laughs) real and effective. We want to make the better thing the main thing. We want to be first about sitting at Jesus' feet. So what does this mean? What are discipleship environments? Well, seriously, it's the basics. None of this is going to be like, oh my goodness, I better write this down. Guys, we want our worship gatherings on Sunday to be as focused and intentional and effective as possible in worshiping Jesus but also learning from His Word, gathering together, feeding on the Word. Likewise, we want our community groups to take shape. We want there to be a diversity of community groups where everybody here that wants to, can, and should be involved in people's homes during the week, praying together, getting into God's Word together, sharing life together, encouraging each other. Uh, Also, I'd say personal groups. Even a a subset of those community groups, personal groups. Have you ever been a part of a one-on-one, one-on-two, maybe three or four people that get together regularly to just have that intensive, intimate discipleship together? Transformative. More so than this on Sunday morning. More so than a small group or community group. Those personal groups are transformative. Also, in our, in our student ministry, in our children's ministry, we want to give our best time and energy to make sure that we're seizing every opportunity to sit at Jesus' feet from the time a kid is born to when they leave high school and go to college. We want to have seized every opportunity to sit with them at Jesus' feet. These are our discipleship environments that we want to turn our focus toward. Does that make sense? Sounds like a good use for our time, doesn't it? Because. I'm bad about launching out, like, the new, best, like, shiny thing. Like, oh, we could go do this. Oh, hey, there's this opportunity. We could do that. And all the while, we're neglecting some of the basic pieces of what it means to be a church family. So, we want to use our best time and energy to create discipleship environments that are effective and on purpose. You see, it makes no sense... For us to launch more ministry projects without effective discipleship uh, environments in place. Do you agree with me on that? I want to be well equipped before before we go out into the world. I want to know that I've done my best to equip you before you're sent out to reveal and represent. It's important to me. We must have effective discipleship environments in place. Uh, C.S. Lewis captures this truth well, and I think he expresses the church's first calling well in uh, this quote from his book, Mere Christianity. C.S. Lewis says it is easy to think that the church has a lot of different objects, education, building, missions, holding services, just as it is easy to think the state has a lot of different objects, military, political, economic, and whatnot. But in a way, things are much simpler than that. The state exists simply to promote and to protect the ordinary happiness of human beings in this life a husband and a wife chatting over a fire, a couple of friends having a game of darts in a pub, a man reading a book in his own room or digging in his own garden. This is what the state is there for. And unless they are helping to increase and prolong and protect such moments, all the laws, parliaments, armies, courts, police, economics, etc., are simply a waste of time. In the same way, the church exists for nothing else but to draw men into Christ make them little Christ, if they are not doing that all the cathedrals clergy missions sermons even the Bible itself are simply a waste of time God became man for no other purpose God became man for no other purpose and what is that purpose to draw men into Christ and to make them little Christ, to draw them to himself and make them like himself God became man for no other purpose. So, let's get the basic things right. Do them as well as we can before we let ourselves get distracted by all the other good things. Deal? Can we stack hands? Better thing on three? All right. Okay, surprise, did you know? I meant to make that a little bit more exciting. Surprise, did you know? Did you know that Jesus cares enough to point this out to us too? it's not just me it's not just clive it's it's c.s lewis clive staples all right Um, but jesus cares enough for us to know this too jesus wants us to catch the importance of sitting at his feet in luke chapter 10 jesus is once again passing through a town probably a town called bethany and he's in the home of two sisters mary and martha mary and martha how many have heard this story before the mary and martha story right Uh, They have welcomed him into their house to share a meal. What a beautiful thing. What a hospitable thing to do. Jesus is coming through your town, so, oh, man, I'm going to open my home. He's going to sit in our home. What a blessing. What a gift. Shortly after Jesus arrives, he begins teaching... He begins teaching his disciples as Martha gets busy. She gets busy preparing a meal and getting everything just right for her guest. And it isn't long before conflict develops between Martha and her sister Mary. Dun, dun, dun. Turn in your Bible to Luke chapter 10 and follow along as I read. Luke chapter 10, starting verse 38. you are worried and upset over all these details. There is only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it and it will not be taken from her. Mary's discovered it and it will not be taken from her. So what's going on here? M- Martha is working like crazy in the kitchen. Have you ever worked like crazy in the kitchen? Yeah, it's nuts. I imagine, like, flour flying everywhere, like, you know, the dishes kind of being scooted all over the place, the oven door being slammed, things like that. She's working like crazy in the kitchen, all the while occasionally stealing glances into the living room, uh, getting increasingly annoyed to see her sister Mary lounging around by Jesus. I mean, this is what it looks like to her. She's just like, Mary. Mary. You know, things are being like slammed a little bit harder. Drawers are being pushed in really harder than necessary. She's like, Mary, Mary. You know, just sitting in there, lollygagging. But here's the thing. Mary was sitting in a unique spot. What do we see Mary doing? She's sitting at Jesus' feet in the place of a disciple. Which this is again, is a whole other sermon about how <laughs> remarkable it is that a, a female in this culture was invited to sit at the rabbi 's feet in the place of a disciple of a student. She has what it takes to be at jesus 's feet. You have what it takes to sit at jesus 's feet. Mary had what it took <laughs> to be sitting at jesus 's feet. she 's sitting in the place of a disciple. Mary is tuned into jesus 's words, she is drinking in his teaching, she is feasting on his wisdom. And she is seemingly ignoring the meal that Martha is slaving over. And this only made Martha more angry, more annoyed. How dare she? Things, things finally get so tense that Martha goes to Jesus and complains. Think Listen to how she frames this question. It's like incumbent upon him to agree with her. Like, doesn't it seem unfair, Jesus? doesn't it seem unfair that I'm working my tail off for you and she is just sitting here tell her to get up and get busy because this is ridiculous this is ridiculous Jesus tell her to get up I know you're all knowing you knew she was there <laughs> you're omniscient. <on> <laughs> right, I don't know but anyway get up Tell her to come and help me. Surely this would honor you more for her to be in here with me making your meal. You see, our culture, like theirs, values busyness. Values activity. We value business and activity because we can point to it. We We can assign value to it. Look how much we got done. Our culture values business and activity. Don't just sit there. Do something, you've probably heard it said. But here comes Jesus. Saying to us, first, don't just do something, sit there. As countercultural as that sounds, Jesus comes into our midst and says, first, first, sh- 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 don't just do something, sit there. While there is certainly a time for action, Jesus says to us, don't just do something, first, sit there. What do you think this means for us? Maybe you can see how this has come home to roost in my heart. Maybe we're entering into a season where first, ours is to just sit there and don't just do something. Don't just do something, sit there at Jesus' feet. We, uh, individually and as a church family, we must begin from a place of discipleship. We sit at Jesus' feet. We sit at Jesus' feet, giving our best time and our energy to learn from him. We want to join with Mary. In the midst of all the good things that we can do for Jesus, let's make sure we are first doing what we must be doing with Jesus. Let's sit with him, let's listen to him, let's grow beside him, let's become his disciples. I mean, I could ask for a show of hands, but how many of you feel like that's an area in your life that you could be growing in discipleship? That sitting at Jesus' feet sounds really good. Maybe I could grow. Maybe I could become what Jesus wants me to, be, to become. I could plant my feet in Scripture. I could grow in my faith. I could have a robust engagement with the world that's just fueled by the gospel. Man, that sounds so good. Well, it has to start by sitting at Jesus' feet. It's important to recognize here that Jesus still probably ate the meal, right? He didn't just like like Mary, idiot. You know, I'm out. You know, he probably still ate the meal. He, he, I mean, listen to him. Jesus wasn't condemning Martha's busyness. He didn't say, "Get behind you, Satan," or whatever he would say. Like, you're not doing evil work. You're just distracted. He didn't condemn Mary's or Martha's busyness. He was. First, he was, he was commending Mary's priorities. Okay, and maybe this is an important point. He's not condemning Martha's busyness, but he is commending Mary's priorities. One of the commentators I was looking at in the InterVarsity Press New Testament commentary uh, captures it and characterizes it this way. He says, balancing work and reflection is tricky. Balancing work and reflection is tricky. Most people in Western cultures are forced to live harried lives. Often their full schedules are, so, are full of good activities, labor that has merit. One of the demands of a full schedule is that the activity be prioritized. Some things come high on the list and others must wait. Sometimes priorities have to be shuffled at the last minute to meet needs. The account of Mary and Martha is about is about such priorities, especially when the options are good ones. It's about priorities. It's about keeping the main thing, the main thing. And the the account of Mary and Martha is about such priorities, especially when the options are good ones. So in our worship gatherings, in our community groups, in our personal groups, in our kids ministry, in our student ministries, let's find that better thing. Let's find that better thing first As we intentionally, week in and week out, as we sit at Jesus' feet, every week, whether it's on Sunday morning, during the week, just in your interactions, you should be able to look back on it and say, you know, maybe I didn't get much done this week, but for sure, I sat at Jesus' feet. I made space, I set aside time to just be with Jesus. I spent time in Scripture. I spent time in prayer. I spent time in godly fellowship, just leaning into what the Spirit's doing, just just reaching toward Jesus with everything I have and everything I am. I spent time this week at Jesus' feet. Before the service projects, before the mission trips, before everything else, let's make sure that our best time and energy is given to becoming like Jesus. When we do, I believe... And Jesus does too that all the other good stuff all the other important things they will find their appropriate place in our life do you believe that to be true when we're centered in Christ when that is the most important thing everything finds its appropriate orbit finds its appropriate place in our life you say well but that means I won't have time for this thing or that thing well maybe you aren't supposed to be doing this thing or that thing Because if you make this the the priority, the center, and then some things just don't fit, you're in a much better place to to make, make a decision about what stays and what goes. Like Jesus with Mary and Martha, Jesus isn't condemning us for wanting to do ministry, Jesus isn't condemning us for wanting to do good things in our neighborhood and in our world. And be having activities in our church is not bad stuff. Jesus is not condemning us for doing that. He is simply commending us to first sit with him and truly be his disciple. Nothing is more important than being with Jesus. Nothing is more important than being with Jesus. So let's start there. Let's protect that space. Let's keep the better thing the main thing. Sitting at Jesus' feet is the better thing. I think Jesus' word to Martha is for us today in this season of New Beginnings. My dear Hope and Anchor, you're worried, upset over details, but missing the point. There's really only one thing going on right now to be concerned about, so don't miss it. Mary's discovered it, She's found the better thing, and I'll be the last person to take it from her. Why don't you join her? Why don't you join her? Today, Jesus is saying, come, join Mary. Join Mary as she sits at my feet. And may we sit still long enough to hear Jesus speak to us here today. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your patience with us. We thank you that Jesus cared enough to come into our midst And to point directly at something that takes place in our human hearts. God, even with the best of intentions, we can become so frazzled. We can become so distracted and dissipated, called in so many different directions, all in the name of serving you, all in the name of doing good things for you. But God, I, I can't help but think this makes your heart ache a little bit when you see us so busy, but so far from you. God, it doesn't seem like the distance from where you're sitting to the kitchen is that far, but man, over time, it can feel like miles. Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters here that have become so ate up with church that they've actually missed out on Christ. Lord, I pray that we would, ha- would be a people that are more like Mary, that have our priorities set, that have our priorities straight, that we're willing to stop and to sit at your feet and not perceive that as wasted time but to see that rightly as the best use of our time. God, may we hear Jesus say, don't just do something, just sit there. May we launch out with vision, may we launch out with enthusiasm from that place of stillness, of quietness, of closeness to Jesus. God, if we don't know how to study Scripture, if we don't know how to pray, God, I pray that you would uh, give us the boldness and the courage to reach out to other brothers and sisters, fellow travelers that might join with us to teach us how, because, God, we don't want to miss out on that. God, we talked about how it eats at our souls to feel like we're missing the point. And I think those are just lesser expressions of the ultimate missing of points (laughs) to miss out on sitting with you to being reconciled to you through faith in Jesus and then sitting close to him and becoming a disciple, to follow after him and and to become like him. God, I pray that you would recenter our hearts, recalibrate our minds so that we could see clearly what the better thing is and what is being offered to us in Jesus. God, there's so much in the world that your people are called to respond to. We're called to alleviate suffering. We're called to promote justice and to lift up the downcast and the oppressed, to care for the poor, to give sight to the blind, open the ears of the deaf. But God, none of that's going to be happening if we're not first starting from a place of fellowship with you, of discipleship, of growing. So God, place that desire deep in our heart. Remind us of that today as individuals and as a church family. God, help us find the better thing as we sit at your feet. We make this prayer in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Hey, we're going to worship just a bit more. And guess what? This is a chance to sit at Jesus' feet. For the next few minutes, you have nothing to do except imagine yourself close to Jesus. Be with Jesus. Open your heart to Him. Open your ears. Listen. Drink in His words. Feast on His wisdom. We have opportunity to sit close to Jesus. and may May this be the first time of many. As we go forward from here, let's sit at Jesus' feet and make the most of this opportunity.